Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast, where adventure meets inspiration. We're your hosts. I'm Brittany. I'm Kim. And I'm Jamal. Together, we explore international destinations, hike epic national parks, and share unforgettable travel experiences with you, one passport stamp at a time. Our mission is to inspire you to travel by showing you how you can make it work no matter your budget, schedule, or experience level. We bring you along so that you can laugh, get excited, and start planning your own trip. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And get ready to embark on a new adventure with us around the globe. Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're taking you with us to Barcelona, Spain. So we actually just visited Barcelona in April of 2023, and it did not disappoint. I'm pretty sure we ate and drank our way in tapas, sangria, and wine on this trip. Yes, Barcelona and Spain in general was really, really fun. So we did the big cities, Barcelona and Madrid, took a day trip when we were in Madrid to Toledo, and we're actually going to be talking about that in a separate episode. So this one, we're going to focus here on Barcelona, but I was so excited about Spain. I was telling this to Brittany as we were coming up to this trip. I was like, I really haven't been excited for a trip at this much in a long, long time. Yes, Uganda and the gorilla trek that was there, but like I was like amped up for Spain and I haven't felt that way in a while on a vacation. I was really excited and like Brittany said, did not disappoint. Loved Spain, loved Barcelona. Super excited to dive into it with you guys. There's definitely a lot of hype around Spain and I feel like it's one of the more common European countries that people go to. So I think that's why you guys had so much hype. Like you haven't been there and that's pretty unbelievable considering how much you've traveled, but you are hyping it up now too. And I'm really excited to talk to you too, because I haven't really talked to you since you've been on this trip. You guys were gone for a week. Usually we talk every week, at least on the phone or Zoom or something. And I've been missing you all. <laughs> oh, we missed your presence on this one, Kim. It was very saddening, but I am super amped up. Our next squad trip coming up, but next time we go to Spain, because Spain is not a one and done type country. We got to go back and there's so much more along the Mediterranean coast that we didn't do. We just hit really the big cities. So, Well, Brittany, I have to call you out on this one, though, because I did text you when you all got back and I asked you, how was Spain? And you came in a little underwhelmed. So you're going to have to answer to that. Yeah. So I, you asked, like, how was it? And I think we were all expecting to be super hyped up about it. I said, Yes, it was a great time. There was a lot to love about Spain. There's a lot to do in Spain in general. And we only hit two of the cities. I am by nature a nature person and we hit city areas. So I don't know if that played into my answer at all. I think I had a really great time. We got to see a lot. We got to do a lot. But when I think of how does it compare to my top three trips that I've ever taken in my life, I wouldn't put it up there. It's probably in my top 10 somewhere, but it doesn't hit so high on the list that I'm like, everyone has to go. And I feel like we've done a lot of really amazing, awesome trips. So it's like, how do you compare apples to oranges when you have so many good trips in your lineup already? Okay, then quickly, if someone is only going to listen up until this point, what are the two things that they would expect from Barcelona that they would absolutely love? Like, what are you going there for? Well, I'm going to say like the food and then the architecture. That's what you're going there for. Okay. So if you're like a foodie who wants to just sit on the tables and have drinks and have food and just walk around and admire the city, it's great for that. Absolutely. 100%. Would not deny that at all. All right. Well, let's get into it. I know you have some tips for us, so let's get it. Well, before we get into tips, I just wanted to say, you know, obviously most people know where Spain is, but Barcelona in particular, it's in the northeastern region of Spain. And so it's only 90 miles south of the French border. And it's the second largest city of Spain, only second to Madrid. And so it is along the coast. And so it does have some of those more temperate weathers. You get the beach vibe, especially there in the summer as well. And it has a seaport. So people often come to visit the beaches. It's really famous for like its seafood, fish markets, things like that as well. Right along the Mediterranean. So on the coast, as a matter of fact, you know, a couple times when we were a little high up, Kim, because we had a rooftop bar, you know, so we missed you on that one. We were even able to see, you know, the seaport and see a ship in at port. So right along the Mediterranean. 
But you did mention we're going to dive into the tips, so we're going to dive right in. Our first tip is to get a Metro card. Jamal was in charge of doing all of the transportation research for this trip. And so he said, we need to get a tourist Metro card while we were in Barcelona. And so we got one for a 48-hour pass. Otherwise, the Metro is 240 euro per ride. So if you're going to be going all over the city, which is what we did, we walked like 10 miles per day on average. Even with using the Metro, this is your best bet in getting your the best bang for your buck. And how much is the Metro card? So that's a really good question, Kim. The Metro card itself is a little over 15 euros per person for the 48-hour pass. You can imagine as you go up to 72 hours and beyond adding on days, of course, it gets more expensive. Now, you don't necessarily need to get the Metro card ahead of time. But if you do and buy it online, they give you a little bit of a discount because you could go to any ticket kiosk terminal that they have in the metros within the city of Barcelona and buy them there. But you're going to be paying full cost. You can get a discount if you get them online. And I would recommend going to Ola Barcelona, even though it's not an official city website, it's basically an official third party vendor for the city of Barcelona that has all the information of like transportation, what you can do. And they even have other cards on there, like called the T casual things like that, that give you other things. Like maybe you can utilize like 10 visits on the Metro whenever for a certain cost or, you know, unlimited visits for a month, if you're going to be there a long time for a traveler. So See what you can find on Ola Barcelona. All those same things that you're going to see on that website are going to be available to you upon arrival, but not at the discounted cost if you buy it ahead of time. And if you're at the metro station for a one day, price per day is going to be more expensive for the least amount of days you're doing. So like one day when we were at the station, it said like it was like 10 euro, but for two days, it was like 15 and change. So there is some savings there for if you're doing it in consecutive days. So we did the 48-hour pass. While we're talking about the metro, I would also say make sure you're staying near a metro line. It makes it so much easier to transfer anywhere else in the city so that you're not walking super far distances. And Jamal had some metro apps downloaded to put in where we currently were and where we wanted to go to see what your best line of action is in terms of transferring and getting to the station you need to get to to get to your destination. Did you all end up staying near a station? Yes, we actually are going to get into that. We stayed literally on top of a station. Oh, how convenient. It was very, very convenient. And real quick, before we move on to the next tip, I would recommend those apps to use to help you within your transportation in Barcelona. Hola Barcelona has an app. So that was a really good one. And also TMB, Tom, Mary, Bradley, right? TMB is the acronym for all the metro bus lines, et cetera, within the city of Barcelona. So they have an official city one. So I would go back and forth sometimes between them. Both are really good. Download them both, have them, kind of go from there and plan your journey. Next tip for you is to always download the offline maps. If you're wanting to walk around a city and get around, especially if you have limited data or you don't have an international pass, make sure you're downloading the offline map so you can route yourself between your stops. I think that's really important. Another tip as well. Know a few Spanish phrases, but in Barcelona, it's actually kind of confusing because not all signs are in Spanish. Some are in the whole language, Catalan. How different is that from Spanish? You know, Kim, when I'm seeing the names of those metro stops, I'm just like, what language is this? You know, didn't even recognize it, but a lot, but a lot of similarities. Like, for example, a lot of the places will be Plaza Day, right? You know, Plaza, of course, Spanish. But the way it's spelled is P-L-A-C-A, and then the C has some sort of weird little squiggly under it, not on top of it, right? But that's the Catalonian way of like plaza and how it's spelled. A lot of the longer words, I was like, whoa, this is like, I wouldn't even say close to Spanish, but of course I don't know Catalonian and Spanish well enough to kind of put two and two together, but it looked completely odd to me. You know, I felt like some of the street signs looked almost French in a way. Well, you're not too far from France and there's that kind of like cross border. That's the thing about Europe. Everyone's like multilingual because you're so close to, to one another in different languages. So I would agree with Brittany on that sentiment too. But rest assured, regardless of signs or not, 
know those key phrases in Spanish. And I was really excited to practice my Spanish while we were there. But I guess this isn't really a tip, but good to know is that once they hear you speaking, if it's not your native language, they're just going to switch to English on you. I tried to practice. I wanted to practice, but they hear it and they don't bother. So <laughs> language is not a barrier. Let's put it that way. You know, we were like a few places and Jamal ended up asking like them in Spanish, do you speak English? And they would respond back only a little bit. And then they would come back with like almost perfect English. And I'm like, you're not speaking just a little bit. Like you're doing way better in English than we would have in Spanish. Yeah. And I would only ask them if they knew English, if like my question was beyond my Spanish uh, literacy, so to speak, and was a little bit more nuanced of a question. But yeah, so everyone knew it. So no need to worry about the language barrier. But, you know, few phrases always go a long way. You're in another people's country. You should at least respect the language. And when you were hearing Spanish, you know how in Spain they say they pronounce gracias, like with yes. the TH? Were you hearing that a lot? Yes, absolutely. The TH comes in very hard. I didn't hear it at first, but ironically, as the trip progressed on, I felt like I heard it a lot, lot more towards the end. So that that is definitely there. That's like one of those little things about travel that I always get a kick out of when you, when I was in Boston and they say, ca, we're in Italy and they say, cross the bridge. Yes. Cute. I love it. Another tip to know is you're probably going to need some sort of data, Wi-Fi or something like that. So make sure you inquire with your cell phone company regarding pricing for international data. Make sure you're not on roaming. We have T-Mobile, love T-Mobile. T-Mobile gives us like five gigs for free internationally before it throttles us. So we were able to make it the entire trip with just that. But there's not like a ton of free Wi-Fi in places. Really? I mean, they had it at the Starbucks and stuff, but you can't like widely find Wi-Fi to connect to, especially when you're out and about in the city. So if you're trying to look up things on the the fly, like maybe you haven't planned every restaurant you want to eat at and you're trying to see what's in the area, you're going to want that. And so it's more cumbersome to look for a place than it is to just actually have your, your data available. Another really good tip is... You know, it's one of those things you never really know sometimes when you go to a country, like, is it going to be a cash culture? Is card widely accepted? Of course, you know, Spain is Western Europe. I knew there was going to be card, right? That wasn't necessarily a concern to me. But of course, Brittany mentioned earlier the markets. I was so excited about the markets. A lot of times here in the U.S., you know, like even like armored markets, things like that, vendors don't have, you know, credit cards. I had no issue with that. We had a hundred euro left over from a previous time that Brittany and I were in Europe and we didn't pull out cash when we first arrived, which we normally do from the ATM. And guess what? Card everywhere. And I still came back with 75 euros of that hundred euro. So rest assured, you can definitely get by. So if you're going to pull anything out, just have minimal for like pocket change and tips. And of course, this is Europe, public restrooms. If you can find them for the most part, cost money. Um, so have a couple euros uh, coins for that. While we're on the topic of restrooms, I really didn't see a lot of public restrooms around Spain in general. And, you know, when we had interviewed Lindsay a while back on our podcast, she had kind of mentioned that too. There's really not a lot of public restrooms. The typical thing is you go into like a bar or a coffee shop and you just go to the bathroom. Like that is kind of the norm. So we really didn't see a lot of public restrooms when we're, we were out and about. So I just made sure that anytime we're at like a restaurant or a bar or something like that, or a tourist attraction, to make sure to use the restrooms that they have there. And the restrooms, a lot of the time, didn't have toilet paper. And so make sure you're bringing your own TP. Yeah, this was like China flashbacks, uh, Kim, a little bit. I remember that. Lindsay saying that when we interviewed her. Yeah, she did mention that. So... There's not like a ton of to toilet paper. Like if they run out, like they're not worried about restocking it like you would in the U.S. So make sure you have some with you. And also they don't believe in the, the toilet covers either. So, um, but you're not squatting. So like China, but not like China because you're not squatting. And then probably my last tip. Well, no, I have two last tips. Make sure to bring comfortable walking shoes. I did not bring comfortable walking shoes. I brought cute sandals. I brought booties. I didn't bring comfortable walking shoes because I pulled a Kim. I was like fashion over function. <laughs> and just got done telling him that you overpacked for this trip. Yeah, not my shoes though. <laughs> no. 
I overpacked in like dresses and pants and tops and stuff. Anyways, I regretted not having a comfortable pair of shoes. I ended up getting blisters. We walked like 10 miles per day. So make sure that if you're not bringing comfortable shoes, you're at least bringing blister bandages or band-aids to help with your blisters. And my last tip is if you are planning to do a lot of the tourist attractions in Barcelona, make sure you're making reservations in advance. A lot of places sell out beforehand or when you get there, the line's going to be pretty long to buy your tickets. So make sure that you're booking reservations in advance before you go and that'll save you a lot of time and money and a headache as well. All good tips. All right, now let's get into the thick of it. So we left midweek on a Wednesday and we're fortunate here in San Diego there's now two international routes that airlines have to Europe. The original OG one for us is the San Diego London. And that's the route that we took. And then from London to Barcelona. So we had a 7 p.m. departure time here, you know, in San Diego. And really, really excited. Can I just want to throw this out here real quick. I think we've mentioned a couple times that we have not flown out of Terminal 2 in San Diego since they have brought the lounge access that we can access on Priority Pass, and we were finally able to use it here on this time. So that really kind of kick-started a good way uh, in that sense of things. So wanted to say that. Was it a good one? Uh, decent enough one. This was one of the first lounges that we went in where, of course, drinks and food are still included, but limited drinks are included. And by that limited alcohol ones, if you want certain other ones, they'll charge you for like for mixed drinks or charge you if you want like high shelf versus just like well, you know, because a lot of other places, you know, they'll have multiple options, but nothing is like the well. You just got to choose your different styles, right? Uh, old brands, I should say. But it was definitely very good. But by the time we left 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, Time change, flight time, of course, we're landing next day, Thursday, 8, 10 p.m. in Barcelona. Whoa, you went over the lounge in San Diego, but you didn't mention that we double dipped and we went to the restaurant before we went to the lounge, also included in our priority pass. And we were able to get three entrees for 27 cents plus a tip at the restaurant. We got a Caesar salad. I got tacos and you got a burger. I got a burger. I've been craving a burger for a while. So I got a burger. How early did you get to the airport to hit both of these places? And not incredibly early at all because we weren't checking luggage, simply carry on. And we got there, what, maybe about two and a half hours? Yeah. Only because... We had to check in because we were going international. Even though we weren't checking a bag, they still made us go to the counter so that they could check our passport. And we didn't know how long the line was going to be. I mean, it's a international flight, big boy airplane, right? You know, fits in 300 plus people and only one flight a day. So we didn't want it to be just like super crowded in there, wanted to allow time. So two and a half. Yeah, I forgot about that. We did utilize yeah. Priority Pass restaurant as well to get food at the restaurant, ate that, then went to the lounge. Very correct. I love the airport experience now. It is a trip of its own going into the restaurant and the lounge and Fucking them hard before you even get on the plane to your trip. You know, a squatty had reached out to us recently, new squatty, and thank you for any new listeners out there. And they asked us, what does fuck him hard mean? <laughs> and I was like, it's like when you have a really, really good deal and you're just like, yeah, you're fucking them hard. Like, how else would you have this buffet? Yeah, breakfast buffet, getting the most out of your lounge access, being upgraded for free. Yes, that is what fuck hard means. That's a very good way to put it, ladies. I mean, I, I love that saying. It's an OG squad saying, and it still lives on today. And so, yeah, we landed Thursday, 8, 10 p.m. And this is kind of where that Hola Barcelona card comes really well into play. Now, from the airport to city center... You know, you could take the metro from the airport or you can actually take one of the trains and the above ground trains that are within the city itself a part of their transportation system. And I'm not talking like the high speed rail to get you out, you know, like regular above ground city trains. They're called Rodales. So the Ola Barcelona card is really good because it uses it for those trains, it uses it for the metro, it uses it for the bus. So you can get around the city no problem with that. But that card also includes your trip from the airport on the train to city center. 
and we happened to be staying at a hotel called uh, Barcelona Sans, which happens to be the name of the main train station. So we took that train from the airport to there, went above ground, and there's that uh, hotel that we were talking about. So I knew that I booked it as close to the train station as possible. And so I put in the maps because nowhere on the site did it say it's literally above the train station. It was like, it's a four minute walk. I'm like, oh, okay. And it looked like it was right around the corner. So we exit the train station and we're going to go around the corner. And I was like, no, this like doesn't feel right. So we went back to the train station and walked the other way. And we saw there was a sign for a hotel. So we followed that. You literally exit the train station. You go right next door. You go like on this upward ramp. You take an elevator and then it puts you on the first floor of the hotel. So it is literally sitting above the train and metro station. And I would honestly recommend this is a legit spot to stay. Of course, do your research. You're going to maybe want to stay Gothic Quarter, certain districts, etc. But if you are going to be coming in, you want an easy way to get from the airport to city center. You're going to be leaving Barcelona as we were to take, you know, additional trips to Madrid or any other city. The main train station's there. You don't have to worry about hauling luggage, taking that luggage on the metro itself or in a cab. And then when you're there, you're already out on metro line itself to take to get around the city of Barcelona. This was an awesome spot to stay. So I would say any hotel that is around Barcelona Sants train station, that's the place to stay if you're not particular about being in a specific district or area of Barcelona for your hotel. One thing we learned when we got to our hotel was that it was space themed. I had no idea I booked a themed hotel, but there was like a space suit in the lobby. There was a little like robot wall painting said like boarding area for the gate. They had like these galaxy paintings on the wall and when you stepped into the elevator. So um, it was definitely space themed. It was it was pretty funny because like I wasn't expecting it at all, and the rooms aren't super space themed, so by the pictures you can't really tell. But we enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, lobby, elevator, all that stuff definitely had that space theme, so it made it kind of fun and quaint. But you know, we got in by the time we landed, and everything like that. Took the train. You know, we thought to ourselves, "Man, we're gonna go to bed early." We were tired on the the final leg from London to Barcelona. Yet, once we got to the hotel, Brittany and I just had like our second wind and we were like, we're in Spain. Like, let's find a good spot, like close, because we don't want to go too far, but close to our hotel and let's get some tapas. You know, we got to start off with some tapas. And we found with our second wind, a bomb ass tapas spot right next to our hotel. Loved it, loved it. And that was actually our final meal when we came back to Barcelona before we flew out. We ate at that place. We got an entire pitcher of sangria, an entire pitcher for six euros. Ooh, nice. And speaking of those prices, that's one thing that I also want to mention too. We didn't talk about it in the tips, but it's also something really good to know. Spain is also really popular just beyond of how great it is and its beauty and history, etc., but it's one of the very few countries that are on the euro, let alone in Western Europe, that is actually still very inexpensive in comparison to other places, right? Granted, the UK is not on the, the euro, but if you go to, you know, um, London, Scotland, France, Germany, those countries, really, really expensive. And then you come down to Spain, lots of things, particularly food, very inexpensive. Now, of course, in touristy areas within the city, you'll find things to be a little bit more inflated, but more inflated is like two to three euros more than you could find if you go around the corner to a more local spot. So if you're getting like tapas, which if you don't know what tapas are, they're basically like little appetizers and things that you get with your drinks. And it's very popular Spanish culture over there. They range anywhere normally from like three to eight euros. For like all these little appetizers that you could bring to your table and they pretty much become your own meals that way so really moderately priced and alcohol very inexpensive i mean six euros for a jug of sangria i mean how can you go wrong that late at night too like usually you think of sangria as an afternoon drink not a late night drink you could have it any time that you want in spain breakfast why not why not yeah <laughs> And then even like glasses of wine, we saw as cheap as like two euro 80 and then uh, up to like four euros, which again, compared to anywhere else, very inexpensive. Massive. Question for you on breakfast. 
Did you find that places don't open up early? We actually did not see that really affect us. So everywhere we wanted to go was open early enough, but we went to markets and stuff for breakfast. We really didn't go to restaurants for breakfast, except for we did in Madrid. But if you're looking at places that are like lunch and dinner, you will see them open later than typical. But in terms of breakfast spots, I think we did just fine. Like, I feel like that was one thing I was kind of worried about being hungry on this trip and like the the lunch <laughs> stuff. And we really didn't get affected by that. So I think it's probably more in smaller areas of Spain, but like in the big metropolitan cities, we weren't really affected by any of that. Okay. Very good to know. And real quick before we move on and really get into the meat and potatoes of Spain and Barcelona, I just want to say that Tapas restaurant that we went to was La Mastresa. So in Barcelona, Sans area, train station, La Mastresa, if you're staying worth a trip, the best Bravas that we had in all of our time in Spain. And Bravas is a popular potato tapas dish. You won't be disappointed with the, the Bravas there. Super bomb. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, squatties, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half-ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet-lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon-lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy-free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squatties, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian Island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you, so all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So that was our first day in, and um, well, just really our night. And then the next morning, it was Friday, we were going to hit the ground running. We were having a full day in Barcelona. We were super excited. So we started off by going downstairs. We took the metro to a plaza, and it was called Plaza de Catalunya. And it's a large square in central Barcelona, and it like considered to be the city center and the old city. But right when we got out of the metro station and we got to the square, it was like under construction. So we were like, oh, this is kind of underwhelming as like our first impression. But then you start to look around and you see all of the beautiful architecture. And it's just like so picturesque. And Jamal had mentioned this too, is like people can tell you're American because you're taking pictures of like the buildings 
and you know like the alleyways and stuff but like people that live there that is their everyday life it's like that for them all the time so they're not like looking and doing those same things that we are so it was really nice to just like take a look in and so we decided to then walk to the market it's a very famous market it's called La Bocaria Market and it's located off this really famous street called La Rambla and what I really like about the street it, it is huge it's big enough for two-way traffic but in the middle of the two-way traffic is a median that's as large as the road itself and that median everyone just walks down it's filled with trees and benches and vendors and food and souvenir shops and the restaurants that are on the side use it for seating for the restaurants and so you're walking down kind of just like this really big plaza and then on either side, the cars are going down as well. And Barcelona is such a big walking city that you need all of that space for everyone to be able to walk freely down these streets as well. The sidewalks we have in the U.S., not going to cut it with the amount of people that are walking down there. So we walked down the street. We went to the market. The market is like the equivalent to Pike Place Market in Seattle. You can get food, fruit, vegetables, desserts, everything that you want to eat there, you can eat there or take it home and cook it like even local chefs there pick up their produce and their meat from this market so it's a very prominent market in the town and what did we pick up jamal oh gosh what did we pick up we picked up because we went here in the morning so we needed breakfast right Brittany was worried about breakfast we happened to get it here at the the market but we got ourselves fresh squeezed juice the plethora of choices that you have on the different flavors you know i mean Half the debate is choosing what you want, like 10 different flavors of good little mixes, but very inexpensive, like two and a half euros, you know, for some juice. We got some fresh fruit. We picked up lots of empanadas. We got ourselves like a spinach and cheese stuffed one, a chicken one. And I mean, I was in a debate on, my God, am I going to eat even more? Because some of the vendors here aren't just selling, you know, stuff that they've made or produce or fresh fish or like a butcher shop. Some of those little places where you could sit in there are legitimate like little um, restaurants like within it and you can actually order. We didn't end up doing that, but that's kind of what we got for breakfast. But even being there is just exciting because, yeah, it's kind of like a touristy thing now because, of course, us as tourists, we went, we wanted to check it out. But this is a spot where locals go. Again, this is like kind of like their everyday life. And that's one of the things I really love about other countries in general is like the local market. You know, we have supermarkets and not to say that they don't have stores there but like the market you know i love it so everything that we picked up from the market we picked up two empanadas a fruit cup and a fruit smoothie by the way the dragon fruit with the strawberry smoothie was so delicious like 10 out of 10 would highly recommend all of that that we picked up was about 13 euro oh wow what a steal i get a feeling that if you're a foodie you're gonna love spain absolutely you will love spain if you love food, love to eat, walk around the city, kind of get lost in it, it's definitely up your alley. And isn't the market open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8.30 p.m.? Yeah, it's open pretty much all day, every day. So you can go for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can go for all three if you want to. So after the market, we ended up going to Casa Botlio. Now, if you don't know this about Barcelona, it's very famous and they hype up one of their famous architects, Antony Gaudi. And not to be confused with the gaudy crime family or anything like that, but no, he is a, a famous Spanish architect. And just Google his work, but like a lot of the places that we talk about here that we did in Barcelona, ironically, just happen to be, you know, his works and things that he's designed. And this is one of the famous homes that he designed for one of these affluent Spanish families back in the day. And his architecture is just so unique, weird, vivid. And this home is actually designated the UNESCO World Heritage Site. Like that's how unique this place is. How funny. I had written down a question as we've been talking to ask you at the end. Are there any UNESCO heritage sites in Spain? So you've already answered my question. Yeah, there's a ton. A ton of them, yeah. So we ended up having tickets to go in at 10.30 in the morning for this tour. And again, they'll go back to the tips. That's what Brittany said. Buy these things ahead of time because, of course, they have ahead of time purchases like we did. So they could either be sold out that day. And if they're not, you're waiting in a big line to buy your ticket, then in a big line to even get in when there's space. So if you want to go, book them in advance. So the tour was pretty crowded. 
where you're waiting in line and they call you and they're pretty specific for when they let you in so you can't go in early at all like even if you're like five minutes early they make you wait till like the minute your ticket is valid for you to go in what i didn't like about this experience is you're juggling your audio guide which has a tablet so you have headphones on you have this tablet you're trying to take pictures it's crowded so I didn't really like that experience. We bought the gold tour, which booted the tablet and it was using it to like, you could move around a room and it would show you different parts of the room and like point them out, which was interesting, but also cumbersome at the same time. Cause you're just trying to juggle so much and everyone's like going through the same spots. And so everyone wants the same picture spot, you know, everyone's kind of like shuffling through at the same time. And I feel like they made it too crowded for it to be less enjoyable than I wanted it to be. But it did smell really good inside. It smelled like roses when we entered. And I actually found this out later well, while we were there was that they were celebrating St. George's Day, which I didn't know about until we got to Barcelona. But it's a huge holiday there where men buy women roses. And it's not a romantic thing necessarily. You can buy it for your partner, but you can also buy roses for your mom or your friend. And in exchange, women gift a men a book. Oh, yeah. So it's like this big day. And so we saw... So many rose vendors. I saw so many bookstores. And like even in the in La Ramla while we were walking the street, we saw book vendors as well because it's like such a highly celebrated holiday in Spain and specifically in Barcelona. But do yourself a favor and if you can, Google Antonio Gotti and you'll just see a collection of his works. You could even Google Casa Balio and kind of see. But he was a highly, very religious man. So a lot of his work, he tried to incorporate like things of like nature to pay homage to God and things like that. But beyond that, so this home actually kind of has a, I don't want to use the word nautical theme because it's not like sailor, but definitely a lot of like ocean influence Yeah, if that kind of like makes sense. And it was really interesting, but beyond even that, his style of what he designs is just so weird like no straight lines all sorts of like curves jutted little you know shards of things you know like it's really hard to explain from not being like an architect and knowing the official terms lots of mosaics lots of art it was a very very beautiful home and had we got to like do a private tour of it i would have enjoyed that so much more the home itself it was it's a mansion it was a home built for a couple that lived there it was like eight stories tall yeah like and it had so many stories. I had this beautiful uh, outdoor patio that overlooked the city. There were so many beautiful elements to it. And I really enjoyed it. I would have just enjoyed it more if it wasn't so crowded. Yeah, it's so popular now that I would say the biggest drawback to these things. So if you want to do it, definitely do it. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from it. But it, it could be taken back and the experience not as great because they kind of heard you like cattle through there because there's so many people. But from there... We went by Plaza Nova. It's where the old city was born, which is called Barcino. And in this square, you have like the concert hall. This square is like a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's right next to the Cathedral de Barcelona, which is a famous church in the area. We went outside the cathedral just to take pictures and kind of just like scope out the area because we had a tour there later. And so we took pictures from the outside. And then right around the corner from that, There was a beautiful mural and it was called The World Begins With Every Kiss. And it's actually a mural that's designed with photo mosaics that were sent in by local residents. And the local residents were asked to send in a picture representing a moment of freedom. And so they took all of these photos. And I think there's 800 different tiles. Each one of them is a mini picture, but it basically ends up being two people kissing. And so um, it's just a really iconic spot to take a picture. It's a really beautiful mural. So we went and walked there and uh, admired the work. Did you take a picture in front of it kissing? Absolutely, Kim. (laughs) How could we not? We definitely did do that. And again, that, you know, the Plaza Nova, the Cathedral de Barcelona, the World Begins with Every Kiss mural, they're all right there together. So you can hit off all those things at that point in time. And then from there, we walked to Way Palace. And this is actually another gaudy home. We didn't have a tour for this one. It's funny, you can see the line to get in. 
but it's not as big and popular as Botlio and another one, Casamila, which we're going to talk about later that Brittany and I also did. But this one was another Gaudi home that you can add on to. But we just wanted to see what it looked like from the outside since we were closed. And from there, we were actually going to lunch at a very famous tapas bar and restaurant, Bar Canete. Ironically enough, our old roommate, Rachel, and her boyfriend, Brett. Fiance. Fiance now. Yes, excuse me. Forgot all about that. They happened to be in Spain at the same time as us and crossing paths in Barcelona. So we met up a couple times to get food with them and some drinks, and we ended up meeting up with them now at Bar Canete together to have tapas. Yes. So when we walked into Bar Canete, they actually tried to get in there the night before, and they were they kind of laughed at them like, you're not kidding. And like reservations are booked out 30 days in advance. So the hostess told them like, your best bet is coming right when they open at like 1 p.m. or 5 p.m. So we were in line right at 1 p.m. and we were able to get seated right away, right after they took the people with the reservations. So we sat at the bar and right when you walk in, there's a big sign that hangs down from the ceiling that says, fuck your diet. <laughs> so we're like, all right. And then on the back of the menu too, same motto, fuck your diet. We're like, all right, let's do it. So we sat down, we got tons of food. We got croquettes, like ham croquettes. We got this really good eggplant that was sliced thin. And then they put like a honey drizzle on it and they crisped it up. And it also had like a citrus that was really, really good. We got a shrimp torta. We got a piece of tuna with foie gras on it. It is a pricier experience, but the quality was really good, and we had a really good time at this bar. Was it a shrimp torta, or was it a calamari torta, Brittany? It was shrimp. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, that one, yes, but because we got the sandwich of the calamari, and you forgot to mention that one. Oh, there. yeah. That was absolutely, like, fucking fire in terms of, like, the food. So I know we were talking earlier, very inexpensive country for food. This one was a little bit... Uh, more expensive pricey one but they take tapas and they really elevate it use like the best of ingredients etc so we really did enjoy our experience here and kind of to your question you had earlier kim was asking if we experienced anything of you know late openings or like the siesta and that affecting things you heard what Brittany said earlier they said the best time to come is like one o'clock when they open or five so nobody's necessarily eating in terms of like popularity kind of close to those hours and it's a little bit more slow because that's the slowdown time for when people cut really wrap up to eat, which really happens to be around like 9 p.m. and later. So after we had lunch with them, we took off. We would, took the metro again. We went to the Arc de Triomphe and beautiful arch. It was built as the main access gate to the Barcelona World Fair in like 1888. And it also is the entrance to another major park. And the park's called Ciutadella Park. And so it's just a really big park with a nice green space. It's like the New York City Central Park or San Diego's Balboa Park, the Barcelona Zoo's within the park as well. They have lots of fountains and green areas and like lots of sitting areas. Great place for a picnic, just kind of like relax. We saw lots of people on blankets having picnics and things like that. So beautiful park that you can walk through. And so we just wanted to check out that area. Then we went back to the Barcelona Cathedral for our self-guided tour. Yeah, so we had purchased online entrances because if you want to get into the cathedral to see it, you actually need a ticket. But very interesting to go inside. I really love that about Europe when you can go into cathedrals and churches and just really kind of see that old kind of like history, right? Like you, you can go to maybe more prominent Catholic cathedrals or churches, and the east coast of the united states but they're not as grand as like where they are in europe at the source so to speak of, of really catholicism that way and so they're just a lot more grand and beautiful and we really did uh you know enjoy seeing that and the cathedral de barcelona is you know one of the visual icons of the city itself too we ended up learning after we came back that this cathedral was dedicated to a woman named eulalia she was only 13 actually but she was a young virgin woman and the story says that she was put up on like a stake in the city exposed naked in a public square and then a mid-spring snowfall came in and covered her nudity and the romans that had put her up on the stake were so enraged they stuffed her into a barrel with knives and they rolled it down the street and that's what killed her and so her body is actually entombed within the crypt 
And we were actually able to see her crypt while we were in the church. And then when you leave the entrance of the cathedral, you go into like a courtyard area. And we saw these like really big, beautiful, fat white geese. And we're like, why are these like white geese here? Well, there's actually 13 of them. There are 13 there because she was 13 when she was murdered. So that's the story behind that, which we didn't know necessarily going in. Uh, interesting story. Beautiful church. They had really beautiful stained glass windows. It was very interesting to walk around. Uh, it had a very beautiful area where the choir sits and sings. And I enjoyed this church a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, Brittany, if we actually did not do the self-guided tour and we actually did the guided tour, we would have gotten this story I I am very sure while we were there, but it was fun and interesting. Haven't we learned our lesson by now with getting a guided tour on some of these experiences in other countries? Yes, absolutely. And I actually don't know that they did have a guided tour, Jamal. I think you're misspeaking on that. We did do a guided tour for another church in Barcelona, and I am glad we did it to get the background of all of that as well. Yeah, I'm probably mistaken. You know, I remember when we were on the trip, Brittany, you were saying like, oh, we have our tour. And then you're like, oh, I'm so glad it's not guided. Like it was a relief because we thought it was a guided tour. And we weren't really kind of like feeling one because we were already tired and didn't want it to be too long. So that's why I guess I thought it was they offered guided tours. There. No, they don't. It's self-guided. So you got to learn all of this stuff about the, the cathedral either before you go or when you come back. But yeah, we did see her crypt and it was a beautiful church to visit. And after we left the church, we went across the street to Hotel Cologne. We went to the rooftop bar, Kim. You'd be so proud of us. No reservations required. They have a two-story rooftop terrace, and we got a spot right in front overlooking the cathedral. We had sangria, the most expensive sangria that we bought the entire trip. It was 13 euros per drink, but the views were worth it. And if you are staying at this hotel, they actually have a area called Spa and Muse, which is like their pool area that also overlooks the cathedral. So that's only for hotel guests, though. Did you all just have sangria here or did you have a bite too? We did not have a bite here because it was not long after we had stuffed ourselves for lunch. So we didn't get anything to eat. We only got drinks while we were at this rooftop bar. We actually didn't even eat dinner this night because we were so stuffed. No, yeah. So after the rooftop bar experience, and by the way, you know, we only really discovered this because, you know, you'll see a lot of TikToks or Instagrams of Barcelona. Like, I, I don't know if the algorithm knew we were going, but I was seeing them a little <laughs> feel hot like as we were coming up you know to this trip but they'll say that there's places that you could do like rooftops this one was one of them they don't require reservations you could show up there's another one for the other famous church if you will la sagrada familia which we're going to talk about coming up here later because we did that the next day which is another antonigati architectural masterpiece in that sense of things and they have a rooftop bar in that area. I forgot to what hotel, but that one you have to book in advance and it's really, really hard to get. Yeah. So we decided to go for the one that you could literally walk up, go up, wait for a table and enjoy your time up there. And so um, you said you discovered this rooftop bar through TikTok? TikTok, Instagram, one of those ones. Yeah. Can't really recall which one. It was through um, Instagram Reels. Good fine. Yeah. And you're right about the algorithm because I know we're talking about Bali next year. And so I, I've saved a couple of posts and every single day I'm getting Bali stuff now. Ooh, can't wait for that trip too. It's a little too early to start diving into those posts though. <laughs> and so since we basically, you know, rallied hard that first night when we landed, went out and got tapas, hit the ground running in the morning this day, like Brittany said, we were kind of really tired. We didn't have dinner. That late lunch was pretty much our dinner. Went back to the hotel room and that was kind of really it for us, wasn't it? Yeah, we packed a lot in that day. So there was a lot going on and we had a lot of really cool things that happened that day. So we called it a night, went to bed early so that we could start our day nice and fresh on Saturday. So the next morning, we started our day off in Barcelona at Guay Park. This is another gaudy creation. And we paid 10 euro for general admission. You could also do a guided tour for 22 euro. You're going to spend approximately two hours within the park. We had tickets purchased for 9.30 a.m., and so this area, it was supposed to be a 60 home community made by Gotti, but the community of Barcelona didn't support it. They weren't big Gotti supporters at the time. 
So only two homes were built and they did not sell. So Gotti ended up buying one of the homes and moving into it, moved in with his family there. And that's where he lived for about 20 years until his death. And it is now like the home that he lived in is now the Gotti House Museum within the park. So it is a little bit of, tr of a trek to get to Guay Park from central Barcelona. So we took the metro, but then you have to walk a bit uphill or take another bus line to get there. But it's such a beautiful park when you get into it. It's a huge green space, but there's also so many architectural marvels when you enter. When you enter, there's this huge staircase with stairs on both sides. There's this lizard or dragon in the middle that's kind of watching over the entrance to the market hall. And if you Google just like Gway Park, these images are going to come up. If you go up the stairs and then there's this room full of pillars everywhere, that was supposed to be an area where they imagined to have like a local market for that community. But because it never developed into a full community, it didn't play out into that. But it's this beautiful, huge room with all of these columns. And then if you go up the stairs from there, there is a big prominent lookout area where you can see the Mediterranean Sea and you can see all of Barcelona and it really beautiful and then there's this bench that wraps around that terrace and the bench is completely mosaic and it's supposed to be in like the shape of a snake like a serpentine so lots of really beautiful areas of this park i loved it the beautiful green space in a bustling city again kind of on the outskirts but another gaudy you know masterpiece that they sell of the city like you go to barcelona and it's going to be really hard for you to not hear about gaudy and ironically enough, a lot of the top places to go that aren't just like regular markets or certain things like that are really gaudy places. And we were saying Gway Park, that's how you pronounce it, but it's spelled G-U-E-L-L. -L. So until we really found out that it was Gway, we were calling it like Gwell well. Park ourselves. So if you're going to Google it to see photos, G-U-E-L-L, -L, Gway Park. Yeah, and this day I feel like was our gaudy day. We did everything gaudy this day. So from there we went to Casa Mila. And this was another home that Gaudi designed. It was a couple that bought this home. And they decided to have Gaudi commission it, build their new property. And so the design of this was the main floor of the building was going to be their home. And then they were going to build on top of that and rent out all of the apartments above them. And so this home has one of the most iconic terraces in all of Barcelona. It has these beautiful sculptured chimneys and air vents on the rooftop. They actually have a night show on the rooftop that you could buy tickets to as well because it's so popular. You got to be careful while you're on the rooftop because there's like all of these stairs, but they're all different heights. And you could like hurt yourself going up and down all of these stairs if you trip, but it was really beautiful. They have these arches. There's an arch on the rooftop as well and it frames la sagrada familia church from it so you can get some really cool shots while you're up there it's very photogenic it has a lot of different curves with both like decorative and functional purposes they were even talking about how there's like a center area of the house they designed it a certain way to allow like a certain airflow if you open up the windows. He really put a lot of thought into the pieces that he created and how it would work with like natural elements for heat and to cool the house as well. So it was really interesting to see all of that. And I think the highlight of this house is the rooftop terrace. The rooftop and the attic. The attic that was all the arch bricks in there too, yeah. I felt kind of were cooler than the house. So like we were in the debate, are we going to Casa Batlio or are we going to go to Casa Mila? We weren't necessarily going to do both. And we had a thought process like, shit, we're going to have some FOMO here, <laughs> you know, depending on because the reviews were kind of split on it. So I would say the home at Batlia was a lot cooler in terms of like the design, its weirdness, its beauty. But then you go to Casa Mila, the home itself was, you know, okay, right? But the attic that you get to go into and then the rooftop was like, whoa, that stuff is actually like really, really cool. And you think to yourself, well, how can an attic and a rooftop be cool? Just Google it and you're going to find out or when you're in Barcelona, go. I will say this, though, kind of now that we're wrapping up the gaudy homes, the two popular ones that maybe people would go to. I'm glad we did it. In hindsight, maybe we could have missed out on it and just kind of seen them from the outside because I feel like what we were talking about earlier with Botlio is that just how crowded they are now and the experience of wanting to push people kind of through it. 
it deters from it. But of course, they're trying to make money. So again, they're going to do it to capacity, but that kind of kills it, I think. So if you want to do it, by all means do. But if you're like on the fence on it, I could say that these could potentially be misses if you're not like a big fan of like architecture in that sense of things. But from there, later, we had some downtime in between. We got a quick bite to eat and then we went to La Sagrada Familia, which is also another gaudy creation. But it is like the church that you see images of when you picture Barcelona. So we ended up going here. This is the one that we actually had a guided tour for, which... I'm really, really glad that we did. Did Brittany, you booked the tickets for these. Did they have just general entrance and you could walk in yourself? Yeah, so there was a lot of different options at all of the places that we went to, most of them at least, where you could do like a basic option, which is just like basic entrance. But we decided that this was our highlight. We wanted to do a guided tour that included going up to a tower and included the church entrance and all of that. So, but you could go just straight in and not do any of the add-ons and it was going to be probably a little more than half the price. And I would advise highly against that, right? Unless you've done your research on La Sagrada Familia yourself, you're going to want to do the guided tour because the amount of information and what they tell you about the building really so freaking cool on it. Like if you Google images of La Sagrada Familia, it's very rare. Of course, those might be the highlighted ones that they're going to show like on Google images or something like that. But it's very rare to see La Sagrada Familia without having construction frames around it. And the reason for that and what I didn't understand, I, was, oh, I always thought like, oh, restoration. No, this is an ongoing project. It's not even finished. It's not even designed to be finished for another, what, three years, which is supposed to be at the 100th anniversary of like Gaudi's death. It wasn't finished. It was designed to be built kind of slowly. They still have his original design plans and, and they're building it piece by piece, bringing it in, stacking it and stacking it and doing this and that. I thought that was pretty cool about it. But La Sagrada Familia, if you're not familiar with Spanish for the translation, it means the sacred family. So this is literally a cathedral church really about Joseph, Virgin Mary, and Jesus, and really talking about his life. Like one side is, you know, the birth of Christ. One side is, you know, the death of Christ. The other side is the eternal life of Christ after death. And then the fourth side, I forgot what it was, but they had an original architect first, and I think they've just kind of let that one be and not really do anything with that. But like, you then look at what's built up on the walls and see all the carvings and the imagery. And it's just, I was blown away when she was telling us all about this, like on the outside when you see it. Yeah, it is the largest unfinished Catholic church in the entire world. It was Gotti's last project. He actually died while he was working on this project, not due to the, the church itself. He was actually hit by a train and then... <laughs> not a train, it was a car, wasn't it? It was like a trolley or something like okay, that. Okay, but not like a train train. No, not like a train train. <laughs> like a train trolley. He was he was hit. He went to the hospital. He succumbed to his injuries. But because of that and his end of life work was dedicated to this project, he's actually in the crypt in this church. But the church itself was super beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful stained glass windows on one side, which is the side where the light comes in in the morning. You're going to get this blue-green reflection in. And then when the when there's sunset at night, you're going to get a red-orange glow from the stained glass on that side. So in the morning or at sunset are really beautiful times to visit because the way that the sun enters the building is going to just cascade these beautiful colors within the church. Really beautiful. The one thing I will say is we did add on going up to the towers. There's two towers you can go up. One's on the nativity side, one's on the passion facade side. And I thought that the towers were going to be cooler like you basically take an elevator up and then there's a lookout point and then you go down the spiral staircase but that's literally all you do and we paid extra money to do that and I think I could have lived without that piece it's not like you're on a cool balcony and you're taking like these photos where you can see the structure of the church you're just looking out and I feel like we also saw good views at other places so I could have lived without that portion yeah it's it's an experience to be in the towers and go down this narrow spiral staircase so I thought that was kind of cool but I 100% agree with Brittany's sentiment. And I just want to clarify something. We were saying like church cathedral for La Sagrada Familia. 
It's actually a basilica. There is a difference. Um, I'm not going to go into what that difference is, but I just kind of want to give that clarification. It's more particularly a uh, basilica than a church or a cathedral. But going back to what I mentioned earlier about, obviously, Gotti's love for God and how he was a man of like strong faith and how a lot of his designs were nature-oriented uh, to represent God's beauty. Inside of La Sagrada Familia, completely juxtaposition of how it looks like on the outside it kind of has that you know like gothic look like it's fierce and hard and everything and then you get to the inside and it's really soft but he has these big giant pillars that come in through there then when you look at the ceiling and how it's designed it's almost like they're trees trunks and then they have like branches out and it's like canopy so he almost made it like you're in this little sacred garden so to speak while you're actually like inside with the trees so the amount of like thought he put into what he was doing, let alone, you know, just kind of like modeling everything after nature, I found really unique about like all his work when we were there. So I think the gaudy homes, they kind of like sell up, but like Guell Park, La Sagrada Familia, other stuff, like really worth checking out and seeing. And uh, I, I really appreciated it a lot. I loved it. The church is, when it's fully built, is supposed to have 18 towers and they are reflecting like important biblical figures and so they are building currently the one that represents jesus christ which is going to be the tallest tower and that one's set to be done in three years in 2026 and they are specifically constructing it for the 100th year after Gaudi's death he died in 1926 and so that that piece of the church is supposed to be built and completed in 2026 but the actual church as a whole still will not be completed at that point so it's going to take years and years and years to build. I would love to go back in the future and see as it progresses. And then if you go across the street from the church, there are some other green spaces and parks. There's one that is facing the nativity side that has this beautiful pond in front of it. So you can get some really good pictures. If you're looking for your Instagram shot, it's from across the pond with the church in the background. When I actually saw your stories from the rooftop bar with that beautiful church in the background this is where i thought you were yeah that was at the cathedral de barcelona and then this is la sagrada familia both really beautiful churches and i think they often get mixed up because of that like they do look similar in a way and so uh that night we did go out to dinner with brett and rachel again we got a quick bite to eat and then the next morning we decided to hit the ground running to our other city in spain we started our trip to madrid the next morning but we did come back to barcelona before we left to go back to the states because that's where our flights were out of so on the day that we came back to barcelona we had a leisure afternoon just kind of walking the city just took it really mellow we went to this pastry shop and we got these mascarpone stuffed croissants which were mm. absolutely delicious and we went out to dinner and just had like a very leisure afternoon and that that's kind of what summed up our trip in barcelona and i just want to say something real quick too i guess it's kind of really a tip and kind of back to the transportation aspect of things our flight was at 7 10 a.m and like i was saying you can have the train you can have the metro either way it'll get you to the airport but they don't start operating until like the five o'clock hour in the morning of course so if you have an earlier flight you're not going to be able to take those great and cheap options to the airport you're going to be really forced to take a taxi then at that point and just so you are aware taxis you know from city center and the area in which we were at they range anywhere between 30 to 40 euros wherever your trip starts to get there versus even if you did buy that ola barcelona and using the metro cards or anything that express train to the airport is about five euros so substantially more expensive so if you can for whatever reason get a later flight handle that to have that great cheaper option to get to the airport very good tip jamal a question for you on the cabs though was it easy to catch a taxi were they out and about on the streets or how did you get one we actually asked our hotel at that point is there going to be taxis in the area because we were pretty close to the train station and they said no not at that hour but they said they could book us an official cab and so they reserved one for us to pick us up at 4 15 a.m yeah so if it's early in the morning like that and again we were by like the train station so if you're in that area like i i'm sure there maybe would have been like one or two parked out there but it's still one of those things you don't want to really risk so we had our hotel reserve it i would say do the same have your hotel reserve it they're happy to to do it 
the official Barcelona city cabs are all metered, regulated highly. So very good transportation option if that's what you have to have. But generalities to your question, Kim, like out and about during the day, easy to catch a cab. No problem. Okay, that's good to know. Did they have Uber there? Not in Barcelona. We did see it in Madrid, though. So that pretty much wrapped up our time in Barcelona. We loved the city. And again, you know, next week here for you guys, we're going to have the continuation on talking about Madrid and Toledo, which really excited to get into for you guys. All right, squaddies. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our Barcelona, Spain episode this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Travel Squad Podcast. And send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that you know would enjoy it too. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. And stay tuned for next week's episode. We have Madrid coming at you, and you're going to hear all about our amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, Squatty. Bye, Squatty. Thank you.